0: Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith. To discuss the topic of divine providence and human freedom—a very small topic that we're just going to briefly cover. <laughs> right, uh, so much. Yeah. So this is going to be the first of uh, two podcasts where we're going to look at uh, divine providence and then predestination in the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, this is very kind of a, a, a somewhat controversial topic, but it's <laughs> sure. one, it's 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 one that's fun to go through the the, the intellectual kind of gymnastics and to go through the the, the logical reasoning that St. Thomas lays, uh, lays out his argument for understanding all of these big issues, providence, freedom, uh, um, causality, mm-hmm. uh, and then also predestination and stuff. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. I think it'll be an exciting couple of podcasts. And so I just want to really encourage you uh, as we get started here, be sure to hit that like button, uh, subscribe to the channel and share the content with your friends and family. Uh, this Please. is this is a big topic, and it's one that I think is going to be beneficial to a lot of people um, because we're going to be in, in trying to understand a, one of the most mysterious parts, I think, of, of God's plan of salvation, um, and it's one that we, we want to hope. Our hope is that it inspires more faith, mm-hmm. um, that it brings about a, a stronger faith within you uh, when we begin to look at God's plan of salvation and to understand that no matter how bad everything is on the outside, God still, uh, <laughs> it's part of his plan, don't worry. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, big topic here, Dr. Smith. So um, as we get started here, maybe kind of late, let's let's lay out some, a bit of the, the philosophical background, set the stage for
1: us, right? Sure. So uh, in sort of context of the uh, sort of big picture of philosophy right what we're going to go over today would fit in kind of what's usually called the philosophy of god if you're in a catholic mm-hmm. institution um you might call it if you're being in a uh, sort of more technical something like philosophical theology or you might call it natural yeah. theology uh, if you're using an older sort of textbook um so most of what we're going over today not all but most of it does properly fall within the domain of philosophy Um, it's still very controversial because of the implications it has with respect to how we think about human freedom, but it's really necessary, you know, um, both from a philosophical perspective and from a theological perspective to deal with this issue from the philosophical perspective, once we've accepted, you know, Aristotelian account of causality and um, sort of Thomas's first cause arguments, then the issue of providence naturally presents itself, right? It just, it, it, it flows the doctrine of providence, as we'll see, flows from those philosophical roots. If you want to approach it theologically, of course, you know, uh, sacred scripture is full of, um, you know, statements about God's providence, God's plan, about you know, nothing, you know, God being in control of all things, right? And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, even mm-hmm. the new one, right, you find very clear and fairly strong statements uh, about uh, God's providence. So. This is a I think an issue that's super important and really then at a more kind of cultural level, people uh, Christians do know yeah. in general, right They will say things like God's a control, God has a plan, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. and, but we really need to be you know sort of thoughtful about that and what the, the full extent mm-hmm. of that is. And so hopefully uh, what we're talking about today will contribute uh, to um, uh, to sort of the understanding of Christians uh, and, and just, you know, uh, everyone in terms of, of thinking about this issue philosophically, right. Uh, the kind of principles that are at work here have to do with, um, the principle, what's called the principle of causality and the first cause argument. So this is, you know, this is pretty, um, um, substantial philosophical stuff in itself, but I'm just going to kind of hit the high points here, yeah. um, for our audience, the principle of causality, um, uh, emerges from aristotle's um analysis of change right so very mm-hmm. interesting you know really aristotelian philosophy begins with you know what's most known and and from what we observe and that is that things change right <laughs> we're we're in a, a world of change right um so what is what has changed then right what well, change according to aristotle and st thomas is the actualization of potency right so um when uh, you think mm-hmm. about a change, a change presupposes on the, on the part of the thing changed a potency to become in a certain way, right. To change in a certain way, to be moved right. in a certain way. Um, that potential is important, right. It's so, it's something real in the subject that gets changed. Um, uh but it's not sufficient to account for the change, right? You know, you could so think about this way I could become poetic, right? I could become musical. The lumber that's stacked in my basement could, um, is potentially a table, right? But it's not actually a table sure. yet. Does that make sense, right? Um, so potency, even though it's real, is not sufficient to account for the change. Instead, there has to be, in right. addition to potency, there has to be actualization, right? That and that. Right. And what, and the question is what brings about that actualization? That's right. Right. What is it that, that makes that, that movement? That's right. That's what a cause is, right? A cause is a principle or source of actualization. So um, Mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you take that lumber in your basement and transform it from potentially a table to being actually a table, um, then you, right, would be the efficient cause of the table. Right, and so you could say right. things like "I made the table." Right? Why? Because you are the the source, the the actualizing mm-hmm. factor, right there. And so from this, I hope that it wasn't too right. fast, but that makes sense, right? It's a good example, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So from this, uh, Thomas uh, deduces the principle of causality. Right, it is that for every effect or for every change, you can say it mm-hmm. either way. Um. So for every effect, there is a proportionate cause. Right? Uh, or to put it another way, for every change, there is a proportionate cause. So uh, wherever we see changes, uh, wherever we see effects, we should look for causes, right? Uh, and of course, that's very natural to human reason, right? We, we tend to do this anyways.. Sure. You know, why did this happen, right? Um, you know, Thomas employs this in um, his argument for the first efficient cause, right, which I think is probably, in some ways the most mm-hmm. important of the arguments. There he makes an important distinction between uh, secondary causes and first causes. <clears throat> so he recognizes right that re every effect everything that changes requires a cause. but then he asks well, if that cause itself mm-hmm. changes as all the causes we encounter do, right, then that 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 se- that cause requires a prior cause, right? Right and so. Secondary causes are second in the sense that they always presuppose a prior cause. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. But this can but the question then comes: Well, then it's just going to go on forever, forever. so That's there right. is no That's God. Right. You know,
1: so this is where Thomas says: Well, you know, even if there were, well, important to see every secondary cause receives its power to cause from something else, right? So even if you had mm-hmm. an infinity of secondary causes, um, they would not be sufficient to account for the reality of change uh, because they could not be no source, no origin of the power to cause from that group of secondary causes. Um, sure. So, you know, the, the underlying idea here being that something doesn't come from nothing, right? So there are potentially causes, but not yeah. actually causes. So there has to be another kind of causality in reality, uh, and that is first causality. Right. Um, and so the, right. the the entire sort of world of secondary causes, which is all the causes that we encounter, depends on there being a first cause. Right.
0: Yeah. But, and one thing I want to want to hit on real quick is the the way you just said it. You said there is a different kind of cause, like. It's not just that the first cause is just uh, somehow um, numerically first mm-hmm. in a series of causes, but that first cause is a is a is a really different kind of cause. It is a mm-hmm. you know almost I don't want to say another almost like another species, but it but it but it is it is mm-hmm. set apart from all secondary causes.
1: That's right. That's important, uh, Jason. I think often when we're de- when people are dealing with this line of thought they tend to think of the first domino. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, the first yeah. in a, first in a, in a sort of horizontal series. Uh, I think, you know, just at the level of imagination, really, you need to be thinking about this as a vertical relationship. That is that there's a higher kind of right. causality that's uh, in operation here um, than just a first in the sequence. Right. And so for that reason, Thomas concludes, right, that there must be this uh, first uncaused cause. Now, we're not talking Mm -hmm. about demonstrating the existence of God as our main topic here, but there's some very important corollaries that follow from applying the ideas of causality to God. And that is that Mm -hmm. uh, God, and this is the, I call this the uh, omni causality um, that God is the cause, the first cause of every effect. Right. Right. Every, we, yeah. yeah, we mean every, right? So that doesn't mean he's the only cause that's important, right? Secondary causes are real. Uh, secondary causes are effective. Uh, they are part, they are explanatory, you know, uh, in, um, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, trying to understand changes, but um, they're not sufficient. God is the first cause of, you know, of me being seated here talking into this microphone and doing this podcast. Um, You could talk about other secondary causes at work, but what you have to remember is every secondary cause ultimately receives its power to cause from the first cause. So secondary causes are only operative and effective insofar as they are subject to and extend the operation of the first cause.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's important to understand, especially because this is where people are going to immediately bring up the problem of evil. Oh, God is the first cause of every effect. And -hmm. the effect is evil. Therefore God causes evil. (laughs) Um, But, but like you said, like, even like, like, even though they're like all the other causes, all the other secondary causes, Mm -hmm. you know, are there because uh, um, God has first caused something. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but God's, causing of that one thing does not determine mm-hmm. it's it, it's not determinate of all of the effects from the secondary causes
1: right is that yeah. right sure well yep. say that again that last part jason not determinative the, yeah
0: that that god causing you to sit there in front of the microphone is not determinate about the evil that you're about to tell I us see, you I know see. or something okay, like yes. that right 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 yes yes yes
1: that's right. Um, I'm not saying but, it doesn't fall in
0: his will or anything like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I get you. <laughs> um, the I think what we want to say here is that um, you know, of course, God is not the that is not the cause of sin, but to understand that right properly, you have to understand the nature of sin in Thomas's work. Right. Mm-hmm. So sin is a uh, an evil. Right. Evil is a privation of the good right? It's a privation of perfection, it's actualization. It's a lack of, right? And so God is right. not directly moving you to commit a sin, right? Um, mm-hmm. what he's doing is not moving you to not <laughs> commit a sin or to put it positively, he's not moving you to avoid the sin. Um, and so yeah. by your fallen concupiscence, right, you will tend towards sin and commit sins. So let me try to um, give an example here. Consider um, a person yeah. who is, uh, um, well, let's consider Judas. Um, you know, did God cause Judas to betray Christ? No. At the same time, and we'll we'll, get, we'll circle back to this a little bit later. It was part of God's plan, right? And uh, you know, yeah. did, God, did God cause the uh, the temple authorities to um, you know condemn Christ and and, um, and and bring him to crucifixion? Well, no, but it was part of God's plan, right? Both of those things have to be affirmed.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so let's go with Judas here. Judas, um, God permitted this uh, act of betrayal. By not causing Judas huh. to remain faithful. Right. So he yeah. let him, he let him follow his own his <laughs> own evil will, right, to uh betray Christ. Um, God did not move him to fidelity, right? Um, a less dramatic right. example would say consider a husband who remains faithful despite temptation to adultery. In that (laughs) case, say you know maybe he's on a business trip, so he's at the hotel bar. Always a bad idea. And uh, you know (laughs) he runs into someone and is is tempted to commit adultery, uh, but God moves him to remember his vows to his wife, and he you know politely you know excuses himself and goes to bed, right? Um, Like a good husband, right? Eds remains faithful. God caused that. Now consider the second husband who fails. Right. God did not cause that man right to commit uh, to have sexual intercourse with someone other than his wife, Uh, but he allowed him to do so by not causing him to be faithful. So in that sense, uh, you know, uh, because you think about the act of adultery, right? Well, the sex isn't evil, right? There's nothing wrong. I mean, as long as it's a normal, natural uh, act of intercourse, right? Um, Right. sex itself isn't evil. The bodies aren't evil. Even the pleasure in itself isn't evil, Right. Uh, What's evil is the lack of her being his wife, right? (laughs) You know that 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 right there, that is uh, causes it to be an act of adultery, Um, and so you know God is not the cause of non-being. God is not the cause of uh, of lack and privation. God is the cause of uh, actualization, right? And evil is not an actualization, but actualization so that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around but that is i think the 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 proper approach and very importantly it's not only the view of thomas right i mean you find this in other authors right who think about evil as a privation for example augustine
0: yeah i mean i mean another way to think about it is you know if you know god's the creator of you know the the earth the field Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um we get in there and we dig holes right um that's so it's you know it's a it's a it's evil is not a thing. It's, it's Mm -hmm. simply, it's the absence of the good, right? So God created the good thing of marriage and the act of adultery, you know, or the good, the the good thing of, of marital intercourse, Mm -hmm. right? And the act of adultery literally empties the sexual act of, of any sort of good Mm -hmm. to the, to the point where we say, you know, adultery is always evil. It's always wrong, right? There's nothing, there's no scenario where we can imagine adultery being okay. Right. Uh it completely empties a good that God has established, it completely empties it by its perversion, by its twisting of any good that God first mm-hmm. established in it.
1: That's right.
0: So I think, yeah. So again, yeah, St. Thomas has a, you know, whereas many times people think of evil as as something, think, right? Yeah, as a positive um thing, and it yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's not, and that's mm-hmm. something that we have to, you know, go through the go through the um uh, mental exercise of okay and, and this is what we're trying to do in these couple of podcasts is kind of establish these principles you know mm-hmm. if god's the first cause of everything evil is a privation mm-hmm. god's the first cause of every change and mm-hmm. you know moving towards perfection and good you know so we're we're trying to lay these things out nicely so god is the first cause of every effect right evil right. is the the privation of that right. so right. so what are there are there what other corollaries uh, can we can we draw from
1: this kind of this uh, first cause so if we recall that uh, and this is, I think, really important in setting up what we're going to argue later, what St. Thomas is going yeah. to argue later, um, uh, we need to recall that the nature of change, right? So we say that God is the mm-hmm. first cause of every effect or every change. Change is the actualization of potential or potency in um, the way Thomas thinks mm-hmm. about things, right? This is always kind of a, an interesting uh, a point in an ethics class but the good and being are the are really the same right um so this makes a little more sense since we just talked about evil which is the opposite but good involves the actualization of potential right uh, or um good involves the perfection the completion of the potency of a thing right so the good of my eyes at a natural yeah. level right is to see right now obviously my eyes are imperfect that's why i wear glasses um that those glasses help restore the perfection of the eye in a sense right that is the eye is completed now because i add this these glasses in the in the perfection right uh or in the good of seeing the activity of seeing so wherever we have a perfection right the completion of a power we have a good in some sense or the other right mm-hmm. so you know everything sure the way Thomas sees it is, the good is what's desirable and everything seeks its own perfection, right? That its own, its own completion. That's not a bad thing. Right. That's actually good, right? Uh, that's a good thing, right? Like when you get an education, you're seeking your perfection. That is you is, pers- you're hoping to complete or begin to complete your mind, right? And your understanding and your knowledge. Right. Uh, so uh, when God, when we say that God is the first cause of every actualization, we should also then say God is the first cause of every perfection, and therefore, also the first cause mm-hmm. of every good, right? Um, that all flows logically uh, from uh, Thomas's yeah, that's, understanding that's of change, right? And the doctrine of the first cause.
0: That's yeah, that's fairly easy to understand and grasp. Uh, yeah. And I think people understand, you know, the you know, like the argument from degrees, right? That we understand that, you know, if there's 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 good, there has to be perfection. That perfection's in God, and. Uh, you know, that God is the cause of the first cause of mm. every perfection and good.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. so at that point, I mean, now, of course I would expect that all Christians would affirm this, right. Uh, and certainly all right thinking philosophers uh, would affirm that God is the first cause of every uh, perfection. And good, not the only cause, secondary causes sure. are real causes, um, but they are uh, mm-hmm. dependent uh, upon the first cause and, um, to uh, to provide those goods or to bring about those uh, perfections. So we take all that, that's really sort of the, the philosophical background for the doctrine of providence there. We've got here this idea that God is omni-causal, that is, God is the first cause of every effect, and uh, very importantly, that God is the first cause of every good and every perfection. All secondary causes, this is key, all secondary causes, Every single one, right, depends upon the prior causality of God, right. So once you have all of that in your mind, okay, then we're really ready to talk about uh, the doctrine of providence. Did you have any other I don't know, questions or thoughts before we jump in? No, I, no.
0: I hope that's I hope that's laid out well. I think it is, um, and I think the 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 point you just made about you know. These are these are the things we know. So let's w- mm-hmm. what comes from this understanding that God, especially that God is the first cause, and in order for there to be second causes, God has to be that first cause. Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: what? How do we understand? Yeah, the world, That's right, <laughs> you know, and yeah. all of its uh, uh, people mm-hmm. and everything from this from this perspective, yeah. right? I, so
1: I, I like you putting it that way, Jason, because it it should change the way we look at the world. We don't look, we should not look at yeah. the world like pagans uh, or, you know, like, uh, you know, atheist agnostics, I should say, right? We're providentialists, or at least in this sense, like we know that God, that everything we see happening in the world is flowing from God in some way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Because God is the first cause. Then we have all this whole world of secondary causes, but that whole world of secondary causes is subject, right, to the first causality of God. Thomas takes right. up um, the uh, question of providence uh, in the first part. So this is called the prima pars. Uh, the first part, mm-hmm. question 22, article one. So if you want, if anyone wants to, to look this up for themselves, okay, um, that's the text you could go to. There's other places where Thomas discusses it, but this is kind of the the standard um, uh, proof, uh, sorry, the standard text. Uh, to look at here. So we're just going to kind of work through this in the order that Thomas presents it there. I think he does a very fine job, of course, in the first part of the Summa question 22, article one, the first question here is whether prudence is suitably assigned. I'm sorry, whether providence is suitably assigned to God. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, of course, Thomas is going to answer in the affirmative. Um, What's really important though, is that we recognize the principle that's behind the premise that he's using in the argument um, in the background is what we just talked about. That is the idea that God was mm-hmm. the cause of every actualization and every perfection, every good in a creature. Um, and then Thomas states, and I think he's correct. And this is a consistent view of his, that uh, the perfection of creatures is twofold. Um, that is that we can have that. We can talk about the perfection of the creature in terms of his substance. Right. So those, components of the essence and a composite thing that make it to be what it Mm is, right? They sort of ground its being, right? So that's the perfection. So you're um, being a rational animal and all the components that go into you being a rational animal, that's the perfection of your substance,
0: right?
1: uh, That is brought about through the process of generation, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Then there's the perfection, though, of an order to an end. Interestingly, this is really, you know, a matter of developing the right kinds of accidents. Oddly enough, we don't think about virtues and things like that as accidents, but they are physically. Um, But this is about our order to an end. So we're ordered beyond our substance, right? Our substance is a good, Mm -hmm. but we're ordered beyond our substance to acts like um, the acts of virtue, right? And to uh, acts that are necessary for maintaining the substance, right? So we can talk then about twofold perfection in, in any creature first, the perfection of its substance and the perfection of its being ordered to an end. So this is a very key, right. In Thomas's views, the world is not random, right. In Thomas's view, uh, the, the right. we, you know, he endorses yeah. a, 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 teleological, uh, I would say non-Darwinian view of the physical world, right. One in which, God's, God wants there to be seeing and that's why there is an eye, okay, right? The, 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 yeah. the, the end of seeing is prior to, right, the development of the eye. Uh, it's not merely the necessary outcome of the random interaction of purposeless forces, right? It's uh, rather by design, right? So um, uh, that's what he means by an order to an end right? Think about Mm -hmm. the human being, right? God is not only responsible for our being, but the order, right? Of our being, that is the direction of our being towards certain acts, right? Uh, Towards uh, certain achievements, Mm -hmm. um, including, you know, establishing friendships, all sorts of things like that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does, and there's a there's a there's a beautiful correlation here with in the part in the catechism where it's talking about parents, and we can mm-hmm. think of this as kind of a a way to think about also uh, the 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 fatherhood of God, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's around paragraph I think it's like twenty two twenty one, um, where the catechism catechism says that the 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 fecundity of conjugal love, right? So the yeah. fruitfulness of marital love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop at bringing a baby into the world, but continues <laughs> on to its moral formation and education mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it says parents are irreplaceable.
1: That's right. So, I
0: mean, I, I think that's kind of a, a good understanding similar to God, like God doesn't just um, God's providence is not just bringing us into being, but he mm-hmm. gives us an ordered end and that's everything right. in between there
1: is well ordered. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah yeah that's a good that's a good analogy there um uh I, I think it's that's that's helpful um you know he thomas uh you know thinking about uh, as, as a parent right you might have a plan for your child right you develop mm-hmm. plans uh if you know your are married you discuss those plans with your spouse right you end up you know revising the plan or whatever but there's plans right you're <laughs> planning things right yeah. and uh that has to do with sort of a plan in the mind and the way Thomas thinks about this is that that order towards an end pre exists in the mind of God. Right. And that makes sense. If you just think Mm -hmm. about this, Mm -hmm. right. God didn't stupidly create the world, right. God created the world through his intellect, right. You know, through his wisdom. Um, uh, And so, you know, everything that exists in the world, again, it's not here randomly. It's part of the plan and the mind of God, that um it exists, right? And that plan that it exists and that it's ordered towards an end. Uh, that plan is what providence is, right? Providence is that Thomas talks it is calls it a, a type, right? That maybe doesn't sound quite right, but an exemplar, or something like that. It's in the mind of God. God used yeah. that that plan in his creation of the world, his causality of the world, including not only the being, but the order right of the being
0: yeah yeah and 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 that right there that what what you just said about about that should inspire within us uh humility and give us kind of the 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 glasses to see the arrogance of of when sometimes we may say you know god you know i don't think like like i don't see you like how is this part like how is this part of your plan I just want to do this. And like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it really points to, you know, so a lot of times the arrogance of, of humanity sure. and, and saying, you know, well, well, God's not really in charge. Look at all sure.
1: these things. Right, God doesn't right. know what he's, you know, like,
0: no, mm-hmm. no, nope, nope, he's got it. <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> right.
1: So I think, you know, a key point here um, for people to, to recognize is, well, the only way to deny this at this point, okay. Is. Mm-hmm to dispute that things are ordered to an end. So you could do it right. that way. Right. Um, I don't see how that's at all compatible though, with right reason in this sense that, um, it, you know, I think it's demonstrable, right. It is a matter of demonstration that God is, uh, that the first cause exists and that the first cause is the first cause of every change. Um, um it, you know, and then I guess you could, the only other possibility is that you think that, uh, will God cause the world without using intellect. Uh, but you yeah. know, that, that's would be contrary to the, yeah, it's absurd. That would be contrary to the nature of God. Right. Uh, and so that's an absurdity. So I really don't see any way out of this. Um, I think it's a, it's a, a logical deduction that God is, um, God is provident. Thomas compares this to prudence, um, in a human being, uh, prudence, he says, we can attribute prudence to God, but it's, you know, there's a little hesitation there because, you know, prudence in us has a certain amount of uncertainty and, and that sort of thing and ordering yourself to ends outside of yourself. But this is kind of like prudence, you could say, uh, in the sense that, um, the prudent man thinks about what he wants to intend, right. Thinks about his ends. He, then he intends an end. And then he forms a plan to execute the end, right? That mm-hmm. is um, yeah, elsewhere. Thomas compares that and God to government, right? So prudence is the plan. Government is the execution of the plan. Um, and both belong to God. Uh, prudence though, right? Is uh, uh, in, in us, right? Is the plan to achieve the ends that we intend, right? So, you, you know, if you're, it's kind of like mm-hmm. this, you know if you have an, you intend an end but you never make a plan for it then you're not a prudent man. <laughs> you, you don't, uh, you lack prudence. Um, so uh, that's, I think, constructive because, and and this is why uh, this comes out in the response to the third objection in this article. Thomas says very clearly that just as prudence presupposes the intention of an end, providence presupposes the intention of an end and the will of God, right? So that means, right, that yeah. our world. And everything in it, including myself, God has intended certain ends for his creatures. Providence Mm -hmm. is the plan by which he establishes the means, right? So uh, Mm -hmm. providence is the plan by which he brings his creatures to the ends that he intends. So we can look at this in a very general way in terms of um, as I said before, God intends that there be seeing, and that's why there are our eyes, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that would be kind of looking at sort of general structure. But, you know, God's the, uh, as we'll see, this applies also to individual things, right? So when people talk about God has a plan for your life, that's true, um, in, uh, according to Thomas, right? Because of providence, God intends certain ends for you. And he prepares the means by which those ends will be achieved. That's his providence, right? Um, yeah. Does that make sense? I think it's really important to bring in that point about the will, right? Because again, we're not deists, right? We're, we are providentialists. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're a right-thinking philosopher or a Christian, you're a providentialist, right? You think that there is a plan. A logos you know behind the sure. universe and that that logos involves the intention and the will right of the first principle uh of god right um to me that's very important
0: yeah i th- i think the the analogy of the virtues is very helpful mm-hmm. um because we call prudence you know the 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 queen of the virtues like in a very in a very real way i mean you, you, it's difficult to be just if you're not prudent, because you, sure. then you can't necessarily yeah. recognize what is unjust and what justice is mm-hmm. in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in a very real way, that kind of uh, prudence guides or prudence is the queen, right, mm-hmm. of, of of the other virtues. You know, in a similar way, things that are happening, God, God, God's before that. His mm-hmm. providence is is. Uh, preeminent there it, it pre-exists um all of these secondary causes that we are witnessing in the world his his providence is there before it you know so i think i, I like the 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 analogy
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, saint thomas uses here of the the virtues i think it's very helpful
1: yeah now where do we go from here so,
0: <laughs> how do we you know, navigate so this we now? can
1: we can you know sort of concede then that god has a plan for everything and that, that plan is ultimately um rooted in the ends that God ends, the mm-hmm. goals, right? Uh, the objectives that Thank God you. intends by his will. Now, I think if, you know, those are things that you should accept uh, both can say, from faith or right reason. Um, but we really have to sort of drill down into this and see the full, the full implications of it. He takes that up in the second article where he asks whether all things are subject to God's providence. Um, so, you know, we might yeah. sort of grant that God has providence, but does it cover everything? Um, and of course, Thomas is going to answer in the affirmative, and he really means all, right? <laughs> like he means everything. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't just a matter of kind of a, some sort of arbitrary, grandiose reasoning. Rather, this is, um, again, flows logically and necessarily from the other things that he said uh, beforehand. So... Uh, he's yeah. gonna say that God that God's providence is both universal and effective right um, so how do we do that the premise that he works from again I love how Thomas works because he's very he has a very clear premise and he lays out his argument uh, the premise that sure. that Thomas works from is that the order to the end mm-hmm. extends as far as the causality of the agent right mm. You know, so the order to the end extends as far as the causality of the agent. So you think about here, just think about ourselves and are our, trying to be prudent for our families. We know we intend certain things, maybe even say just, just like what we're going to do this weekend. Right. So, you know, like what, you know, you have certain goals, you know, for your family this weekend and you establish plans to bring those about. Um do those plans yeah. always come off, Jason? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, right? Because you know why? Because your causality only extends so far, right? You're you're able to and bring have children. And they have children. That's right. That's right. And they're little secondary causes too. See, so uh, they're, uh <laughs> you're a more powerful secondary cause, but they're still secondary causes as well. And also, there are causes, you know, like um, you know. Uh, things outside of your family right have causal powers right uh, that could intervene does that make sense right in your in your plan right so yep. you your your yeah. ordering of things to an end does exist but it only extends as far as your causality now let's think about god right god's causality extends to everything remember god is omni causal he is the first cause of every effect, mm-hmm. including the fact, you know, that I started going bald when I was 18 years old. Um, the, uh, that is part of God's causality, right? God's causality extends to everything. Um, th- you think about it this way, there's no external cause to interfere with God's causality because every cause depends on God's causality. So God's causality, right? Unlike your causality extends to all things, Mm -hmm. right? Including all secondary causes. So can any secondary cause escape God's causal reach? No, right, can't. And then, you know, similarly, um, can any secondary cause oppose God's causality, right? Because the secondary cause depends upon the first causality of God, right? So um, what that means then, right, is God's causality extends truly to all things, and so therefore does his providence, right? Um, Yeah. Including, right, myself as an individual, and Thomas is very clear about this, because other other thinkers in the Mm -hmm. classical tradition didn't hold this view, but providence extends to individuals, right? Um, So it's not just a general plan. It's a plan that extends from the general forces of the universe all the way down to the individual substances that make up the universe, because that's as far as God's causality goes. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's more than, cause
0: I guess maybe a popular view had been that God is just kind of generally mm-hmm. in charge of everything that, you know, in the end, you know, we know Christ has won the battle in the end, there will be all these things but everything that happens in between then and there is not really maybe under God's God's providence, right? Mm-hmm. But St. Thomas mm-hmm. is saying here is that, no, it extends to mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the individual.
1: That's right, to the individual, exactly. And very importantly, because nothing can oppose God's causality, because all secondary causes are subject mm-hmm. to God's first causality, God's providence, and this is, the yeah. I think, the most important part, is effective. Right. That is unlike our prudence, which can be um, opposed because our causality only extends so far, since God's causal power extends to everything, God's plan cannot fail and it does not fail. Right. So, yeah, that's a big deal. Right. That means, right, that not only does providence, God's plan extend to the individual. You really have to say this, whatever happens is part of God's plan. Otherwise it wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So you think about the betrayal of Judas, right. That was part of God's plan. Right. Um, When you think about uh, the injustice of the temple officials, that was part of God's plan Um, uh, as well. When you think about, you know, uh, tragedy, historical tragedies or personal tragedies, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I think you have to just bite the bullet here and admit that's part of God's plan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think this is one of the most uh, difficult parts uh, to grasp Mm -hmm. um, because our, our intellect, I mean, we we really only have the ability to see about a foot in front of our face. Like we can't (laughs) see, Uh the, 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 the bigger, the bigger room. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, Mm -hmm. we think, you know, it's, it's dark and we think we're standing in like this small little space, like a closet or something. (laughs) Right. Right. But if we had the light of God, we'd be able to see that we're in this big beautiful church or something like that. You know, the kind of that analogy, like, I, I think this is the, the, the one aspect where, where, where we have difficulties. Right. And, and it may not even be saying like, whatever happens happens because it's part of god's providence but that this is how god and this is where they would say chose to you know chose to 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 move me or chose to not move this person or that person right this was this was part of god's plan this is where we really i think have trouble but this is but i think for the for the the serious christian right this is where we can go back and 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 understand how St. Thomas explains causality, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that he is the first cause of these things. Um, And and then there's those, those secondary uh, causes.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's a tough, that's where
0: it becomes very helpful.
1: Yeah, it's helpful. It's also, I think, useful for us to reconsider that maybe we don't really understand uh, what reality is about (laughs) very much, you know, that in other words, I mean, I think that when we, when we, when we enter the beatific vision, I believe that like, that'll be a, uh, obviously, uh, you know, joyful, uh, ecstatic literally. Um, but I think it'll also be sort of surprising, right? Because I think God is so different mm-hmm. than the kind of the image of God that we, the kind of soft saccharine, uh, image of God that we get in contemporary theology and contemporary preaching. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think, Consequentially, I think the universe is about something kind of di- like reality is about something different, right? Um, and, and, you know, God's plan isn't necessarily about your best life now. Sorry, Joel Steen, right? <laughs> it's uh, God has bigger issues, right? Than you getting your your job promotion or your stupid vacation, you know, fancy vacation you want to go on. Um, the, uh, you know, maybe as I say, reality is about something uh, else. Now, that said, I don't want to sort of brush aside the reality of evil, right? And and Thomas doesn't. Mm-hmm. Thomas yeah. takes up. You know, so Thomas is very clear. As I said, we talked about this a little earlier. God does not cause sin, right? But evil is part yeah. of his providence, yeah. right? Um, is part of his plan. Yeah. And he explains this in the uh, objection to the, uh, sorry, reply to the second objection. Mm -hmm. Which uh, does bring up, like I said, the objection is, well, providence can't cover everything because uh, evil happens, right? And we can't attribute attribute evil to God. And what Thomas says is, well, look, um, it belongs to he who has charge of um, many things, who has charge of a city, who has charge of an army, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To permit... to permit that certain evils will occur for the common good of the whole, right? Um, The -hmm. common good of the whole, right, you know, say for the army is victory. That includes, right, permitting that some of your men will die, right? Or that you might even commit uh, a unit of your men to a, um, a charge that you know is unlikely to win so that you can win somewhere else, right? Or something of that nature, right? Right that uh, belongs to the authority of the commander um, because the common good is, is greater than the individual good. And so what Thomas says, like, if you look at the whole universe, you know, the, the common good of the universe is its own perfection and the glory of God. Right. And so that God permits certain evils, because if there weren't certain evils, certain goods could not come about. We cover this extensively in our yeah. discussion of the patience of the martyrs, I believe. Um, so it's a good uh, yeah. uh, podcast to go back to, but that's what he says. He says, look, you know, if there wasn't the evil of, um, of tyranny uh, or of injustice, then there would not be the good of the patience of the martyrs. So God's plan this is kind of talking about like God's plan is about something else than maybe we think about it. Right. You know, God's plan is for the perfection of the universe is, mm-hmm glory, that includes that certain goods should be brought about within the universe that presuppose certain evils. It's not that the evils are means to the good, but they're the occasions of the good. So courage wouldn't exist if there were not bad men.
0: Yeah, well, I, and I think even when you look at, uh, I mean, the crucifixion, right? We wouldn't have, you know, or the, the beauty of our salvation comes from mm-hmm. something that's pretty bad. That's right. You know, that's right. Um that's 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 God's plan. Like even just, you know, like that should be held up kind of par excellence of, <laughs> right. of, of trying to understand this this
1: this huge topic, right? That's right. an Acts, that says so, right? Uh that you know this is part of the definite plan, right? Um, even though they intended it for evil. Um, you know, um, you know, God God, you know, is part of God's plan to bring about the great good of our salvation. The next important objection here, I think of course, and this is probably the most controversial of all, right? Everything we've said is pretty uh, heavy here towards the end, but yeah. is the uh, objection about human free will, right? Does providence, um, does that, you know, I've, I've spoken fairly, like God did not move Judas to do such and such, right? Um, God did move Peter to repent, right? So Peter, you know, um, he doesn't exactly betray Christ. What, what do you say? He, he forsook him, something like that? Cursed his name. Yeah. Denied him. Yeah. Denied him. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that was part of God's plan, too. It's really interesting to think about, right? That Peter's denial was part of God's plan. Um, but God moved him to repentance. It did not move Judas to repentance. And thereby, Judas despaired and killed himself. Um, mm-hmm. That seems to some people as if that compromises the freedom of the will. Right, um, so I'm gonna right. again uh, I do this from time to time. I hate doing it, but it has to be done because sometimes Thomas just puts it better than I can explain. So we're gonna do bad podcasting again, uh, and I'm gonna read <laughs> to you uh, what Thomas says and says because he takes us up in the fourth objection. I'll try to comment along the way. Um, maybe we can put a link to this, uh, Jason, in the in the show notes. All right? Sure. <clears throat> so the reply to the fourth objection: when it is said that God left man to himself this does not mean that man is exempt from divine providence but merely that he has not a prefixed operating force determined to only the one effect as in the cause uh, as in the case of natural things which are only acted upon as though directed by another towards an end and do not act of themselves so right the badger doesn't direct itself right to badger ends it's directed to badger ends right. by its nature, which is intended by God, right? Designed by God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so again, and do not act with themselves as if they directed themselves towards ends, like a rat, like rational creatures through the possession of free will, or liberum obitrium, right? Free judgment, really, but liberum obitrium, mm-hmm. by which these are able to take counsel and make a choice. So he is making distinction here. We direct ourselves towards ends, right? Unlike the badgers, right? right unlike uh the birch tree right hence it is significantly said in the hand of his own counsel okay a lot of people would be kind of comfortable with that I kind of like that sounds good right but you you would say but thomas said at the very beginning man's not exempt from god's providence so he's affirmed that we have intentionality right that is that we direct towards ends but he's still going to say we're subject to god's providence so here's the but, okay. Yeah. But since the very act of free will is traced to God as to a cause, it necessarily yeah. follows that everything happening from the exercise of free will must be subject to divine providence. Well, pause. Thomas, this was a real struggle for folks, okay? We have come to the view in the 21st century, this has just become kind of the common sort of folk psychology, I would say that to be free is to have no prior cause. That is not Thomas's view of freedom. All right. In philosophy, we call that the libertarian view of freedom. That's not to be confused with libertarianism as a political movement. Okay. That uh, libertarianism as a uh, view in rational psychology is that the will, for the will to be free, it must be causeless. No prior cause, right? right. If there's any prior cause and I'm not free. Okay. That's not Thomas's view, right? Thomas's view is much more in line with, uh, Augustine and a lot of other prior authors that the, uh, freedom consists in the contingency between the proximate cause and the effect, right? Not because the will has no prior cause and that's kind of dense right. there. yeah what do you want to say some more here? Well, and i would say and also the the and also the final end
0: right so mm-hmm. we can start to see kind of the the, the intricacies of mm-hmm. our uh um of our uh being rational creatures like you said the comparison between the animals and stuff mm-hmm. that even though even though we may we we do have uh you know, free choice in a very real way. Yeah. We can, we will never be able to make a choice that falls outside of God's providence. Correct. Correct. You know, that, that I I think when I phrased it that way, I'll just say this, when I phrased it that way for myself, I I was like, okay, I think I'm starting to understand kind of God's, God's providence a little bit more that, that even though I may choose something that is sinful, Mm -hmm. you know, or even the possibility that I could choose something that is, you know, completely lacking good. Mm-hmm. That 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 choice never places it out. Never places it outside of the realm of God's of God's providence, right? Mm-hmm. He has the ability to, to, to incorporate even that that very grave evil right into bringing about His plan of salvation. And again, this is why I think you go back to the crucifix, right? Sure, it's, sure. It's a, it's a form of torture and and, and horror. Right. But, but God is able to, but God is, it, it doesn't fall outside of God's providence. And mm-hmm. he's showing us in the crucifixion that he has the power to, uh, uh, and, and he does bring about salvation for all men, you know?
1: That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's good, Jason. I mean, just think about, think about what you'd have to say to deny this. Okay. You'd have to say that the, the human will escapes God's causality, Right. It doesn't, I mean, yeah. moreover, you'd have to endorse, this is just an absurdity. You'd have to endorse the view that the will reduces itself from potency to act without any prior cause, right? Which is uh, metaphysically absurd, right? It just mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense at all, yeah. right? Um, so it has to be the case that the will changes, right? And we know that that's mm-hmm. the, the case, right? That it has a prior cause, Right. And that means that we need to yeah. rethink your conception of freedom. All right. I'm going to continue here reading yeah. through this, then we'll maybe say a little bit more about the true sure. nature of freedom. Um, so he says, uh, but since every act of free will is traced to God as to a cause, it necessarily follows that everything happening for the exercise of free will must be subject to divine providence. For human providence or human prudence is included under the providence of God as a particular under a universal cause. God, however, extends his providence over the just. So stop there. You know, even, you know, God as the first cause as a universal cause, right? So that God's causality is operative in Peter's repentance. It's true that Peter um, contingently selected repentance, right? He could have not yeah. done so uh, in, in respect of uh, Peter's own will, right? But God, as universal first cause, right, is operative in uh, Peter uh, bringing about, right, the effect of repentance, okay? Uh, that's He is the right, universal right, first right. cause. Every secondary cause is subject to him, including uh, Peter's will. Now, this is really interesting what he says here, uh, and, the, and kind of wrapping up, he says, God, however, extends his providence over the just, you could say the righteous, in a certain more excellent way than over the wicked. Inasmuch as he prevents mm-hmm. anything happening which would impede their final salvation. Now, mm-hmm. we're not going to go with predestination today, right? But this is where it's headed, okay? For, to, for, quote, this is from Romans 8, to them that love God, all things work together unto good. But from the fact that he does not mm-hmm. restrain the wicked from the evil of sin, think Judas, he has said... To abandon them, not that he altogether withdraws his providence for them; otherwise, they would return to nothing. If they were not preserved in existence by his providence, this was the reason that uh, uh, that had weight with Tully, who withdrew from the care of divine providence human affairs concerning which we take counsel. So Tully was wrong about that, right? So, look, it was, it was not part of God's plan that Judas repent. Right. Yeah. And that, does that mean that, that God caused his impenitence or his suicide? No, right. He didn't prevent it. Right. He could have, I do. We think we have to say that and that's hard. He could have prevented it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, but it, he did not, right. It wasn't part of his plan. Now that doesn't mean that the, that the evil, that the wicked, um, have no part in God's providence. They do. Right. In fact, You know, I think Pontius Pilate, Pharaoh, all those people, right, Judas, they played an important role in divine providence, right, despite the fact they were uh, wicked. And moreover, God does direct them to certain goods, right, Uh, natural goods like life and pleasure and friendship and maybe some approximation of virtue in some instances, those sorts of things. Um, But uh, it wasn't uh, part of his plan, right, that Judas repent where it was part of God's plan, that Peter repented. So you could say, and it would be right to say that Peter repented because it was part of God's plan that Peter repent, and that Judas did not repent because it was part, it was not part of God's plan for Judas to repent. What do you think about that, Jason?
0: Yeah, we're getting really difficult right now. Like it's, (laughs) we're getting into this, (laughs) this realm where, and and I think for, our, our, you know, I think for the Catholic, this, we sometimes we we dwell too much on why did this happen when it could have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, you know, I mean, we can do that all day long and it's not going to solve anything. Sure. Whereas, you know, I think the, the, the mystery of God's providence, you know, I. I would hope that it in it kind of brings about faith and inspires faith as opposed to doubt. Because it's mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. to to sit there, well, it could have been otherwise. So why, you know, how is God good? How is God this? How is mm-hmm. God that? Mm-hmm. As opposed to turning the turning the mystery into to one of faith of God, well, you know, I I honestly have I, I I don't know, mm-hmm.
1: but I trust you, right? So a, a couple of things I can say to this, Jason. Uh one yeah. is um First, I think this doctrine should be a foundation for gratitude, actually. Um, yes, that is what we should do is look in our lives and see all the good that we' are blessed with mm-hmm. and know that you know we we have a tendency to think about, well, that's because I brought that about, you know I achieved X, I did, you know, no, it was, yeah. yeah, you, you played a role in achieving those things to be sure you're a secondary cause, but ultimately those good <laughs> things have been brought into your life because it was part of the plan of God. Right. And so this would yeah. be a, um, uh, a source of profound gratitude. Right. I think we have a, such yeah. a tendency to attribute to ourselves. Right. Um, the, uh, achievement and, you know, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, we put the laurel crown on our own head, right. Instead of doing (laughs) what we ought to do if we understand this, the divine providence is that this is just, just gratuitous gift from God, right. Uh, all the good things that we have in our lives. Right. It's like, like children, we should be grateful, right. For the good things that his plan has brought to us. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I say this to my kids, uh, a good bit you know, let's be grateful for the good things that we have rather than uh, sad over the few good things we don't have. Right. Uh, so if you look at it that right. way, right, in terms of divine providence, we should be profoundly grateful. Uh, second, I would say that I find for myself this to be a highly consoling um, doctrine uh, in this sense that I've had my fair share of um, disappointments. Um, yeah. In my own personal life um some of which were very grievous to me um but um i accepted it was part of god's plan that's tough but it's also consoling that is i think that in some yeah. way counting that god's wiser than me right um this is part of god's plan for my life right and since he's good you know and and, and he's wiser i submit and say okay like i don't understand why this is (laughs) part of your plan you know um but i accept that it's part of your plan and that it's uh and 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 you know and rest right uh in that um do those two points make sense
0: yeah absolutely i couldn't have said it better and especially with that last one i mean it, it it the the fact that saint thomas brings up that that kind of idea of um think like something like that and that falls outside of God's providence, right? Mm. That that immediately turns usually the human emotion to the feeling of abandonment Mm -hmm. or uh uh, some sort of forgottenness by God. Right, right, right. right. You you begin you begin with the 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 premise that everything is uh uh you know as you say everything that occurs in history and in my life is part of God's plan Mm -hmm. period that's right Um, as much as I don't understand it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. I think One other thing you said there that I think was interesting was uh, about, you know, having a role, right? I think that's actually, again, uh, consoling and sort of inspiring. I have, I'm not just out here sort of floundering around trying to, you know, come up with something to do with my life. Rather, God has a plan for my life. And it's what's happening now. Mm-hmm. So we, we tend to sort of think, oh, well, um you know someday i'll be doing what god wants me to do right now this is this is your you you are fulfilling your role in his life do uh, i'm sorry in his plan do we need to say anything more jason about human freedom
0: uh always but uh unfortunately but uh yeah but but no i think we i think we've said a lot and 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 again go back and read thomas and we'll Mm. we'll uh we'll put some um uh, some of the links in the show notes and stuff where you can go back and read Thomas and, you know, pray on it, think on it, you know, bring it to your to your meditative prayer uh, and your mental prayer and, you know, ask God to, to bring about, you know, more faith and um, more understanding, right? It's a gift of the Holy spirit. Um, and so, you know, I think we've given our listeners, I know you have given our listeners a lot to think about a lot to ponder uh, and to, to wrestle with. Right. Uh, and so we'll continue this conversation next time until then God bless.